Welcome back, sparklers, to another episode of Ignite Your Spark with me, your host, executive producer, CFO, chief fun officer of Ignite Your Spark. I'm Kim Duff Selby. And today I am going to invite all of you to let go of preconceived notions of what a goddess is, because we are going to learn all about well, basically how to roar like a goddess, how to unleash our inner goddess, goddesses, how to find our inner goddesses, and why it is so important to do so. And it's basically because we want to live a more joyful, inspired, ignited life. So today I have a very special guest, and her name is Shunya. And Shunya is the first female head of her 2,000-year-old Indian spiritual lineage. She is, well, also a podcast host and the author of two best-selling books called Ayurveda, Lifestyle Wisdom, and Sovereign Self. She has a new book called Roar Like a Goddess, so I'm excited to talk about goddesses. And she is a classically trained master of yoga and Ayurveda and a leader of the divine feminine path to soul ascendance, Ooh, so cool. And she is president of the Awakened Self Foundation and founder of the nonprofit Vedika Global. Maybe I said that right. Maybe I didn't. And I have so many questions. And welcome. Thank you for being here on Ignite Your Spark. Thank you. Your spark is so beautiful and so radiant. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. It is totally my pleasure. It is like I am looking at a light when I look at you. So I know that your purpose on earth here is to ignite the sparks within goddesses. Yeah, I I totally get that. And I read your book and there is so much Indian history in it. There's so much that many of us do not understand that we do not know. And I want to go into you explaining a little bit about what Vedic culture, but before we do, I'm going to ask you, how do you ignite your spark? I ignite my spark daily and moment to moment by remembering that my own higher self has connections with the goddess and that the goddess is not some airy-fairy entity out there alone, but there is a tremendous, powerful, beautiful, unapologetic, roaring, daring goddess within me. And I'm here not just to work hard, that's true, but also to play. And to have yes. fun, yes. And to enjoy my life, and I stay psyched and excited about all that. Yeah, that's so good. That's so important. We have to, and because that is your specialty, basically, you know so much about goddesses and Shakti, and I've learned so much from reading your book. Although I do have to say that in a meditation a year or so ago, Shakti, sort of the name came to me and I had to do a little research on her and see how glorious she was with all of her arms. And and I have often sort of used her in my meditation. So I think that's really interesting. Okay, let's talk about Vedic, you know, a Vedic lifestyle. I know that there's Ayurveda, But when you say that you are the leader of a 2,000-year-old spiritual tradition, what exactly does that mean? 
We are all familiar with Ayurveda or more and more familiar this medicine mm-hmm. from India, holistic medicine. We are familiar with yoga. We are familiar that meditation and concepts of non-duality and oneness consciousness have emerged from the ancient seers in India. What came to be less known was that source tradition. And that source tradition is known as the Vedic tradition. And V-E-D-I-C comes from the root V-I-D. It's a Sanskrit word. And it literally means to be aware, Mm. to be conscious. And so the Vedic tradition precedes or comes before all religions that have come out of India, Buddhism, Hinduism, Sikhism. It's not a religion. It's a way of life. It is also known as Sanatana Dharma, the eternal Dharma, the eternal values, the eternal tradition. And it was remarkably progressive. It was gender neutral. Not only male seers, but we females have also composed hymns and teachings in the Vedas. And this is in the Vedas, God or that absolute intelligence is viewed not only as a formless, nameless, boundless consciousness, but we are also uh, given you know, freedom to view God in the masculine, in the feminine, and get ready, even in the mixed gender. Because that great consciousness can come to us in any body or any preferred body, as in the brown people have brown gods and the white people have white gods. No big deal. It's really that one light, one fire shining as many sparks. Mm. And so this Vedic tradition, while people promote yoga or Ayurveda, and even I do, because I come from that root tradition, from a root family that has been teaching about it for 2000 years, I decided, hey, this word is lesser known. This tradition is not getting as much appreciation as other deeper traditions world over. And so I started promoting the Vedic wisdom. And these goddesses come from the Vedas, these 10,000-year-old texts. And because India is an ancient country, 10,000 is not a big deal. It's not an imaginary number. It's actually real. And we have oral tradition of these texts that were written then on palm leaves and copper plates. And now the Vedas can be found on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. (laughs) (laughs) It is. So it's, it's so old that I can't even imagine how old it is. And I think just personally, I am envious of you for having those roots that go so deeply. I'm adopted and I found out I was adopted as an adult when I was 22. So I don't have that connection and reading your book and reading how you connect with the goddesses and even the names that so many people from Indian culture have, they're so beautiful and they have such wonderful meanings. And I'm envious of that. And the fact that you were able to study that and it's part of your lineage, I hope you realize how special that is. I do. When I was a child, I didn't know I'm born in a special family. I didn't know my granddad was a guru 2000s and my great granddad was a guru 2000s. My, my father is a very famous, illustrious person in India. So I'm definitely uh, privileged from good karma, as we say in another lifetime, 
to have this family and they raised me as a roaring roaring daughter uh, so that I could deal with what was not working for me and roar through it you know yeah but I have to say my mom died when I was young when I was only 10 oh and I did feel uh, and it was a big house with too many people coming and going like when your family are kind of celebrities Mm. You're like this motherless child wandering around and my hair would be wild. It still is, if you can. Because <laughs> I have this, I don't like combing it and it's, it's kind of wild. And I do feeling like, I did feel like the divine feminine, the divine mother, the goddess did give me a strength of, give me anchoring and gave me spiritual roots. And that helped a lot, along with my family, of course. But right. thank you for acknowledging what has been definitely a good thing in my life. That is wonderful. So were you raised by aunties or did your father I was father raised by aunties and I was raised by my dad a lot. Like the men in my life have been very kind. And Roaring Like a Goddess is not about men versus women. It's about the light. It's about the sparks. It's right. about leading your big life that you were meant to lead, for which you were taking an avatar as a woman or a person. <laughs> That's perfect. That yeah. just summed up why I do this podcast right yep. there. It is about finding your inner light. And since you had that little baby goddess in you when you were a little child, and you grew into a woman, and what inspired you to follow these teachings? Was it just something not follow, but to become a spiritual leader yourself. And since it is in your lineage, I understand that. But there must have been, was this just something you always knew, your dharma? Well, let's talk about that. Um, and Or is it something that uh, you just felt called to do? Or I grew up in a family that reveres the goddess Shakti as her multiple facets as Durga, the courageous one, Lakshmi, the beautiful, prosperous one, Saraswati, the wise, intuitive goddess woman. And I have a temple of the goddess, a 300-year-old temple in our ancient home and everything. So I, it was my private life. I was, I'm a practicing goddess devotee. But I didn't know I'd be writing a book. I didn't know I'd be having these conversations on the world stage. Sure, I teach Ayurveda and yoga and I'm already, you know, a prolific teacher teaching at Kripalu and Omega and here and there. But I didn't want to be talking about the goddesses, but there's a nine-day goddess festival that I celebrate every fall called Navaratri, which means nine nights. And it is said that the goddess comes down to us through moonbeams to remove our negativity and make a spark with hope and positivity. And last year during this festival, I was lost in our contemplation and I felt this calling to write this book. Perhaps deep inside me was just this memory of forgetting to roar for a bit with authenticity, with with power. And when you have known light and you go away from it, there is this desire to come back to it. Mm. And and though I did come back to it, it, it probably I wanted to write it so that nobody ever forgets to roar with joy and pleasure. And probably it's my way to give back mm. at a more personal level. Now the whole world is in my home, you know, we, we're doing, we're doing live streams where they can see my goddess altar or me chanting. And it's, 
I walked into a beautiful world that the goddess wanted me to live, to be So has this, well, you've written two other books, but has this, do you feel like this is what you've been building up to? Not that life is over by any means, and who knows what the next year will bring after the Festival of Contemplation this year, but... As an author, I have been really lucky that all my books have been huge. Like my first book alone was in top 10 books in alternative medicine in its era of publication. Ayurveda, Lifestyle, Wisdom, Sovereign Self was huge. And even Roar, they've all become bestsellers. They're all doing really well. But I do feel something has changed, like by talking about the goddess, connecting her to the woman in me, connecting her theme to the modern women with our everyday issues from the Me Too movement to inequality in pay, to then us finding our inner voice and our inner light. I do feel this is going to be a theme that's going to be a game changer just for me. Mm. And I feel very blessed talking about her. And I'm going to share with you, I feel like I'm floating a lot, like in a very stable yeah. kind of way. <laughs> right. And right. uplifted. Tell me what the meaning of Dharma is or share that. I mean, I read it, but. Again, you know, we can go into the root Sanskrit sounds. Every word in Sanskrit has a root sound. And the root sound of dharma is dhri, D-H-R-I. And dhri means that which sustains, that which commands and holds. So there is some cosmic dharma that sustains the planets in their orbit. There is a dharma within us that sustains kim to be kim and shunya to be shunya. When we are aligned with that dharma, we are happy, we're healthy, we're shining, we are that spark. When we move away from it, we may think we don't know, but we know because we don't feel good. And ancient Vedic texts say that we must not copy others' dharma. We must be original to our dharma, even if it brings us some struggle or strife, because that's where we're going to shine ultimately. Mm. So, and we may have a few dharmas, like we may have a mom's dharma or a wife's dharma or an author's dharma, but ultimately there is a greater dharma that calls all of us the dharma of being human, of being goddess-like, of being, of shining really in the language Mm -hmm. that comes from the Vedas too. That leads to the evolution of our journey, to the consciousness that we must go to. So, for example, one of my dharma is that I'm a mystic woman. I I have my inner journey. So while I'm a mom and a wife and a daughter-in-law and a daughter and a teacher, at the end of the day, I have a lot of allegiance to my inner mystic. And I would, I protect her lifestyle. And I make sure that I read the books I want to read. I have the company I want to have. I'm, you know, listening to the music I want to listen to. I have time to meditate. And so I give priority to my dharma. And then I can come through in my dharma for the rest of the world. Am I making sense? Because it's a big concept. No, totally. I'm going to try to sort of chip away at that a little bit. In terms of uh, the book and, and you and your teachings, do you feel that you are here to help us access our own, see if I can say right, dharma, dharma? It's, it's so beautiful. Yeah, do you, 
Yeah, that's exactly. So because there are many of us who are searching and you may call it a soul purpose. We may call it Dharma or the consciousness above. I feel like through these goddesses and the exercises, and here I say, I'm not going to talk about the book and I do, but you, you break down and you give us exercises. And I believe if I'm understanding this correctly, that when we are able to tap into the four parts of the goddesses, I know that you said there were hundreds of, I like to think of them a little branches of Shakti, but you talk about four. And when we are able to embody those, are we then going to be able to determine our Dharma more easily? Absolutely. Because we get, we get lost in the roles we are playing. Yeah. And we forget the soul that we are. And reading this book is a rite of transition. And I have been doing this work for like decades now. And I have students worldwide. And they feel like it's like a river. You can't enter it and not get wet. And you can't read this book and not wake up with a roar to like, to prioritize yourself, to be clear what you really want to do. And there is still time to become what you are meant to become. It's as simple as that. It's never too late. It's never Never too too late. late. To Never. And that is a big message of mine, because I feel that so many people over a certain age feel like, well, you know, I'm done. That's my dharma, done, you know, done. But I know because I started this podcast at my ripe old age, you know, and I started, well, other kind of career things. I just feel like you are never too old. And I know that to me, what I think of as Dharma is the essence of what I love to do, the essence within. And it shines forth in all the different ways in which we live our Dharma, whether it is as a wife, a mother, a sister, a brother, whatever it is, that essence, that Dharma shines through in whatever you're doing. And yet I really like how you are able to teach us how to access those parts of Shakti to help us unleash. You are giving us as womankind or mankind permission to roar like a goddess, to really become our most authentic selves. I think so many women in particular are like, no, I have to do this. I have to do that without taking time for themselves, which is what you said that was so valid. You make sure to do the things that I'm going to paraphrase feed your feed your dharma whether it's meditation or music or movement whatever it is for you and you do state that a lot in this book that we have to take care of ourselves yeah because though this the, the goddesses are from the indian fabric like they could be from you know um, some culture of the world and some nationality, but the archetypes are eternal. Uh And Durga is the archetype of like reigning in your power back to you rather than giving it away. Ooh, yeah. Tell me, this is perfect. So you have the four, I'm going to call them pea shoots off of Shakti. Can you give us each? Yeah, yeah, just like you did there for Durga for... Like Durga, literally, it's a mantra. That word Durga is not just a name, like a girl name. 
if you just even say Durga quietly within you, there's an upward movement of breath and consciousness and more light increases in your upper chakras. Mm. You know, it just, it happens. And Durga is like the remover of obstacles so that if your power is suppressed, buried, faded, forgotten, it's just going to come back to you with a dazzle. And once you have power, you can make it a force of good. Then you have Kali. And Kali is shown to be a goddess who's naked. But her nakedness represents that she has no tolerance for deception. So there's no self-deception here. She's a true teller, not just to the world, but to herself. And channeling her archetype makes us really call a spade a spade. And it's a big deal to do that because then you're no longer creating this facade that you're living. You're really honestly becoming not just a straight shooter, but driven by truth for a greater truth. Mm -hmm. And then you have Lakshmi. Now that you are courageous and powerful and, and, and truthful, it's time to play. And she represents beauty and sensuality and prosperity and sexuality. And she represents what we women often don't give ourselves or deny ourselves, which is material and sexual uh, fulfillment. And having her in my life has been really great because I don't try to be holy. I want to be whole. And that's this different, you know. how much you're liking that and finally we have Saraswati and she's the goddess who awakens when I'm quiet and she's the goddess who guides me when I talk to myself when I think privately what are those thoughts are they pulling me down are they making me wretched or are they making me new again And so I wanted women and humankind to go through this journey with me, begin with Durga, so that we're done societally or habitually giving away our power and like claim it from within because it's still there intact, even though you've not used it. It's that extra power that you always have and the book will help you activate it. And so and so forth, the journey is a right of transition to our own evolution from being just regular women to becoming mature, wise goddess women. Mm, That's beautiful. And that is your goal in this book, to help us access our emotional well-being as we spoke, our physical well-being, and that little part inside of us that gets hidden, the goddess. And you know what? In This comes to me now. The inner goddess is like our inner spark. And it, as I often say, our spark often gets dimmed through life circumstances, through illness, through devastation, through grief. And I believe that would be, we could just say, Inner spark equals goddess because the goddess gets dimmed. And what is so lovely is to be able to have these four embodiments of Shakti that you speak of to look at and the exercises and realize and remember, oh, that's going to not only ignite our spark and get us going, but ignite our inner goddess as well. 
Absolutely. And then the storytelling, which has come down across thousands of years, which my mother told me before she passed from her body. And, and she would tell me these stories at bedtime. And I don't know how wise of a parenting <laughs> choice that was because I'd get really excited. But probably she knew she would transition. And she, she wanted to put these stories in my DNA. And that's why nothing could keep me down. Nothing. That is beautiful because it was the way you were raised. You were fortunate enough to be raised even when your mother passed to be able to access that inner knowledge, all of the gifts, all of the stories, all of the wisdom that she was able to pass down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think I could talk to you forever and ever and ever. There's just so so much. I, you know, I'm all over the place just with excitement in a way. I feel bubbling inside. Before we uh, wrap up, is there any one thing you might want to share with our listeners that we perhaps haven't touched on that will help them perhaps ignite their inner goddess today? I just want to say that don't give up on your future self. And even if it's this is your last day on earth, it is a shift in our consciousness from I cannot to I can that makes all the difference. This world is a school of sorts, a goddess school, and we are here to learn her beautiful lessons. Give yourself a chance. Don't be afraid that this is from another culture, another world, another time. Dive in and you will find some eternal elements for your soul. And I am a living testimony because I have been through darkness, but I know that light is the only truth and it awaits you. I'm so in love with you. Oh my gosh. I just love what you had to say. I love how you give us, as I said before, permission It's okay to be abundant. It's okay to want things to, you just really give us permission to be our true selves and to unleash our true selves. And I appreciate that so much. And where can people find you? Awaken is a happy word for me. And my website is awakenedself.com. Awakened. Awakened self. And this is your book. I'm going to put it on YouTube too. So people can see roar like a goddess. And I will put those links below so that people can reach out to you and find you and all of the different offerings that you do have. And I'm going to be doing a little more exploration myself because I really have enjoyed this conversation so, so, so much. And I thank you from my inner goddess to your goddess for awakening our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our inner goddesses to the light. Namaste. Thank you. Namaste. And thank you all for tuning in. May your inner goddess fly free. It's never too late to ignite your spark and your inner goddess. And I'll see you next time. Shine on. Walk through life. Every day is a new beginning. Shine your 